those are some great dad jokes for you guys. Happy Father's Day to everyone. Hope you're having a great Sunday, and thanks for being here with us and celebrating. And before we get into the message today, we want to do something special for a couple of dads in the room. Um, we have a special way for you to listen to the service if you're here in the room for us, and that is in our comfort recliners back here. So we have snacks and drinks back there, and so this is how we're going to do this, is we're going to do um, the oldest, or the dad that's been the Dad for the longest. Yep, let me get that right, okay? Um, so we'll do that um, for the first one, okay? So how many, do we have anyone in the room? Um, raise your hand if you've been a dad for five years or more. Five years or more. Okay, keep it up. Ten years or more. Okay. Um, Fifteen years or more. Okay, we lost a few there. Twenty years or more. Yes, I still have my hand up, okay? <laughs> okay, twenty-five Okay, 30? Okay, 35? Okay, we lost, we lost everyone there, okay. So go 31? 32? Uh-oh. We're going to get down to months. Yep, we're working this out right now. You're, You're older. the oldest, Charles. All okay. right, Charles, it was you meant get to be. It, okay? So if you want to, yeah, you can head over here. Kick your feet up. Being a dad is hard, okay? Don't fall asleep over there. Yeah, it's that's our only thing. Don't gushy, fall asleep. Though. All right, so now we're looking for the newbies in the room. All right, if you have been a dad for less than five years, less than five years, raise your hand. Anybody? All yeah, right. We got, we got okay, a couple. got a few of you guys. All right, less than five, less than four years. Less than three, less than two, oh my, less, wait, less than one, like your baby is, like your very first baby is one year or less, no, two, you both are two, two-year-olds, no, three, all right, so okay, we got some good three-year-olds, yeah. so we're three and under yeah. here, all right, have you been a dad for less than two years, no, have you, how long have you been a dad? How old's your oldest kid? How old? A year and six months is your oldest. Okay. And and three. All right. A I year think, and six months. I think you wins went. It. Yep. Head on yep. back to the recliners. Recliner. There's snacks, drinks. There's yep. Beef, whatever jerky, you want back there. Yeah. Almonds, <laughs> junk some chocolates, food. Yep. Eat it up. Enjoy some cold drinks and have a good time. Yes. All right. Congratulations. So you guys can kick up your feet. Those recliners are powered back there, okay? So, but we just, yeah, we want to take a moment and just, yeah, for all of the dads, we want to let you know we're celebrating you today. And for everyone in the room, we always want to take a moment and just acknowledge, you know, today for many of us is a great day. We're celebrating. It's a joyful day. And then we recognize for others, yeah, that it may be a little bit more difficult. And so coming to Father's Day, um, I know that there are those joining us, yeah, who may have a broken relationship with their dad, or you may have lost um, a father, you may have lost your dad, and he's already passed away. And so today may be a little bit difficult, but wherever you're at today, we want you to know as the church that we are with you, that we're thinking about you. We're both celebrating with those of you that are celebrating and 
um, grieving with those of you that are grieving and hurting today. And we just want to take a moment and acknowledge that together um, as the church. And as many of you know, today's a, an amazing day because I have a beautiful family. God's blessed me with many kids, but it's also my second Father's Day of um, celebrating this day, but having have lost my dad. He died um, a little bit over a year ago, and so today is both the, the joyful and also the difficult moment. So I just want to take a moment just in um, honor who my dad was. This is a, a picture of us, if you guys have never seen him, and amazing man, um, just with a great legacy, made a tremendous impact on my life and my brother's life. Both of us are pastors. Um, my dad was a pastor because we saw his relationship with Jesus and just the man that he was both in the church and also at home, a tremendous role model. And so I love him. The father that I am today is because of, yeah, just the amazing example that he was in our lives. You know, I'm going I'm to honor my dad. My dad had the distinct joy of being, um, the only male in a household of five blonde daughters and his wife. The only other male counterpart was the dog, and he spent most of his time outside. So uh, <laughs> my dad survived to tell the tale. I'm sure some days were a little more dramatic than others, um, but I'm so grateful for him. He's been through a lot in his life and continues just to demonstrate the heart of a servant. My kids will tell you when he's at my house, he's always cleaning something. He'll yeah. clean my windows on my house or detail my car. He's just always doing that kind of thing. And I'm so grateful for that example. And then, of course, I want to celebrate my favorite dad. Um, this man is absolutely amazing. I cannot imagine a better dad for my amazing kids. In first service, I shared some videos. We've got four bigs that are not able to be with us today. We're in that stage of life where they're scattered out doing their adult thing. And um, But it is such a blessing to have such an amazing father figure for my kids. So Thank thanks, you. babe. Love you. And today we want to talk to you about this message that we've titled, Play the Man. And this isn't just a message just for dads in the room, but also for the men in the room and for each of us. My prayer is that we would be able to take away something that God is challenging us with, um, that God wants to speak to us today. And so my hope is that each of us would hear something from Scripture and from the Word of God that would challenge our lives to continue to grow together. And that statement, play the man, may seem a little um, different to you. And it comes from a book that was written by Pastor Mark Batterson. And so this is an amazing book. I want to give this away to someone. So maybe one of our dads that was a little bit newer that didn't get in the recliner. Danny, yep, right there. Uh, can you give this to Danny right here? Give him a hand. And at the beginning of this book, he tells the story, and that's where this phrase comes from, and the title of that book, of an early Christian leader and father um, who was who was a pastor um, in a town called Smyrna, and he was a Christian leader there, had an amazing example of living for Jesus. And when he was later in his life at about 80 years old, he was brought before the Roman officials. And his name was Polycarp, and they said, Polycarp, you need to renounce your faith in Christ, deny Jesus, say that Caesar is Lord and will allow you to live. And Polycarp said, you know what? I've honored God. I've lived for 80 years serving Christ. I am not going to deny him at the end of my life. And so they brought Polycarp into this large arena filled with Roman citizens, and they were going to light him on fire. And so once again, they challenge him three times. Renounce Christ and you'll live. Deny your faith in Jesus and you'll live. And once again, he stood strong in his faith. And the story is told that Polycarp heard this voice from heaven. And it said this, be strong, Polycarp, and play the man. 
in that challenge, that voice of God's spirit to face whatever obstacle was in front of him, to not compromise, to not back down, but to stand strong in his faith in Christ. And he did that day. He gave his life for Jesus. He died as a martyr. And we're told that Rome as the empire was started to become impacted because of this one man's testimony that the total feeling in the atmosphere of that entire place changed as Polycarp was lit, was willing to die for his faith in Christ. And so that's the challenge that I want us to think about today, that we would be people that do not compromise, but that stand up and we would be the people God has called us to be, the men, the fathers, the individuals that God has called us to be, to live a life of no compromise and to really stand up for our faith. So our first point here is that playing the man means redefining tough. It means redefining being tough. And I don't know what you think about when you think about being tough, but I think about somebody who's like big and strong and like puffed up and big. But what we're talking about is, is really like tough love. And loving well is really, really hard. Yeah. It's really difficult. Um, and often it, we, we think about this, we think about being tough and, and even tough love and we think about discipline and, you know, being strict with our kiddos or whatever that looks like for you. And there's time for that. But this kind of tough love is a tough love that's not just hard on the people that we are, are leading around us, but that's hard on us. It requires of us. It's difficult for us to follow through. And if you look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6, it says this, Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find so when we say love, especially in our culture, your mind may go a bunch of different ways, but the Bible is saying faithfulness, a faithful man who can find the love that costs you in the day-to-day. -day. That's what this kind of tough love looks like. Yeah, and we desperately need a picture of this in our culture and in our society because it's easy to talk about love. It's easy to say that, but that consistent day in and day out love, and when we look at the world around us, we're told that one in every four, over 25% of kids are raised in a household without a strong male influence, without a strong male role model. And it's devastating when that happens in our country. And so you look at the statistics around that and over 71% of high school dropouts, individuals that don't finish high school, they come from a family where there is not that strong male role model. 70% of juveniles in state operated institutions did not have a dad figure in their life, did not have that strong male presence. 75% of adolescent patients in substance abuse centers did not have that strong male figure. We are desperately lacking in our current culture and in our nation that strong male present that presence that is faithful. Once again, it's not this kind of grand gesture many times, but it's just faithful day in and day out. And it's easy to talk about, but it's less seen where we are constantly laying down our life, giving of ourselves to love those that God has placed around us. Yeah. John 15, 13 says that greater love has no one than this. And we hear this a lot than to lay down one's life for one's friends. But, you know, oftentimes when we think about this, it's like we would jump in front of a car for someone, right? If we saw a kid in the street, we wouldn't hesitate to push them out of the way. But this kind of love is more than a one-time thing. It's a day-in, day-out, constantly laying aside our desires, laying aside our wants, what's easy for us, what's convenient for us to show this faithful love, a love that's literally, literally willing to, to die on a cross. That's the kind of love that Jesus challenges us to live yeah. with. 
And that's the kind of tough love that we're talking about. The difficulty, once again, it may be easier to kind of make that grand gesture, but, but to constantly day in and day out to lay down ourselves. And I read this story that I think is a beautiful picture of this. In 1992, the grand dragon of the Ku Klux Klan made the front page of the news. His name was Larry Trapp. And for years, Larry Trapp had terrorized people in his community and um, full of hate, like just full of rage against people that were not like him, people of different beliefs or different cultures or um, different backgrounds. And one of the individuals that had been the recipient, a lot of that hate and that had been terrorized by him was a man that was named Michael Weiser. And Michael Weiser was the leader of the local synagogue there. And he had received like death threats. People in the congregation there of the synagogue that he had led um, were often victimized by this individual um, that was the head of the Ku Klux Klan. And then one day, Larry tore up his Nazi flags and he destroyed his hate literature and he renounced the KKK. And here's why. Because Larry Trapp was dying of a diabetes-related kidney disease. And he became to the place where he was unable to take care of himself. And you know what happened? Michael Weiser opened up his home and he invited Larry Trapp in. And he placed a, a room with a medical bed there and he took care of him day in and day out. Met all of his needs, took care of his health issues, all of those things. And Larry Trapp said this. He said, he showed so much love to me that I could not help but love him back. And that amazing picture of day in and day out, laying down our lives, serving those that sometimes it is very difficult to love and giving of ourselves. Once again, not just the one time thing, but every day laying down our desires to love in a way that is hard, in a way that is difficult many times. Yeah, I think what strikes me about that so much is just the vulnerability that it took for him to allow yeah. this person into his home that he knew was hateful. I'm sure when he invited him in, he was not all over all of the hatred in his life. And when I, again, when I think about tough, I think about puffed up, but this is a different kind of tough. Yeah. This is a vulnerable, selfless, I will take whatever comes at me kind of tough. And that's the kind of love that, that shines through. It's the kind of love we see demonstrated in scripture is this love that opens itself up to the risk, the risk of being rejected, the risk of being hurt. And, and this, honestly, this is the foundation that builds strong marriages, strong families, strong churches, strong communities, yeah. is a love that's willing to open itself up and be at risk in order to, to sacrifice and lay ourselves aside to show that kind of selfless love. That's true toughness. Yeah. That's really yeah. tough. And that's what it means when we're talking about play the man to be that person God has called us to be, that we would love well. And church, I want to challenge you this week to really examine your life. Is there a place where you can demonstrate this and where you can, once again, not maybe in some big act, but just every day consistently, faithfully love those that God has placed around you to be that demonstration of who God has called us to be and redefining what it means to be tough by loving well those that God has placed in our life. So our second point is that we play the man. Uh, that means we never stop learning. Yeah. We never stop learning. I love the story of President Teddy Roosevelt. I wish I could have gotten to know this dude because he lived a crazy adventurous life. If you ever, ha if you haven't heard about his stories, you need to look them up online. It's incredibly interesting. So these are just a few of the things that Teddy Roosevelt did. He rode a moose. 
um, took down an armed cowboy during a barroom brawl, crossed a frozen river to chase boat thieves, worked a ranch in the Dakotas, flew a Wright Brothers airplane, scaled the Matterhorn in the Swiss Alps, went on month-long African safaris, navigated uncharted parts of the Amazon River, and on and on yeah. and on. But one of the things he is most well-known for is that when he was president, um, he was known to read an average of 500 books per year. Yeah. Now, if you've ever been to our house, you know the Escamillas read a ton of books, don't we? We read a lot of books. We have a wall of books, and we are constantly going to the library every week to get more books. But I don't know if together we read yeah. 500 books a year. <laughs> it's an insane amount. But here's what stands out. This man never stopped learning. Yeah. He never stopped being curious about the world around him, discovering that, you know, he didn't know what he didn't know. And so whether he was president or he was just somebody else walking around in everyday life, he was constantly curious and digging into the world around him. And, and that's where we get our wisdom. That's where we continue to, to play the man, to, to set that standard, is by digging into constantly learning. Yeah, and Jesus was an example of this. And so we see this scripture in Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And this is what it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom in stature and in favor with God and man. And many times we think, well, Jesus, right, he was God, so he already knew everything, but he was also fully human. And so the Bible tells us that he grew in wisdom. And I think back to, to being um, a young kid, and my dad always challenged us to continue to learn and continue to grow. So whenever I was a kid, we did something called Bible quiz. I don't know if any of you JBQ? guys have ever heard of this. Anybody? Okay? JBQ? Um, some of you guys All right. That. But it was like a game show, okay? So imagine that you had buzzers in front of you, and there was someone up front, and they were asking you questions about the Bible. And so my brother and I, like, we were a team together, and we studied, and this is our one claim to fame. We became state champions in Arkansas one year, okay? So there Like, you we go. were at college, and that was how everybody knew them. Hey, those kids yes. that were the state champions at State at champions <laughs> one year in Bible quiz, Okay. But, Do not challenge him to Bible trivia. Yeah. <laughs> you will lose, I promise. But it took a long time, you know, to study and for people to be able to ask you. There were hundreds of questions and to be able to know those things. But my dad always challenged us to keep growing, to keep learning. And we grew up in church. You know, I heard hundreds of sermons. We were in a pastor's home. But I never wanted to lose that love of learning and growing more. And that's how Jesus was. That's the example that he sets. We see him when he's 12 years old. And he's in the synagogue. He's in the temple or the church of their time. And what's he doing? He's asking questions. He's listening to their answers. He's reflecting on that. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but there were 30 years that we're not really told what did Jesus do. And this is what he's doing. He's growing in wisdom. He's growing in favor with God and man. And so he's not just kicking back for 30 years. Before he ever preached a message, before he ever taught a multitude of people, he was reflecting on Scripture. He was growing in his wisdom of God. He was understanding God's word more and more and wrestling with the ideas of who God was. This was him growing in wisdom. And we need to be those kind of people that never allow that desire to learn and that desire to keep learning and knowing more about God for that to die in our lives. And so that's what it means to play the man is we never stop learning, but we keep growing in our relationship with God and in the wisdom God has given us. Yeah, I think about Solomon, and you know, you probably know Solomon. Solomon as the wisest man in the world, right? He asks God for wisdom, and God grants him wisdom. And as a kid hearing that story, I always thought that meant like, 
He prayed and God like revealed wisdom and then Solomon knew everything moving forward. But it does not seem like that's the case. And if you look at, at the wisdom that Solomon leaves to his sons, you look at the book of Proverbs, um, even just Proverbs 4 or 5, just one verse. He's talking to his sons. He says, get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Yeah. And I love, he personifies. I'm an English teacher, so I can say that. He personifies wisdom, right? He, he always talks about wisdom as a person that you're pursuing, that you're chasing, that you're asking, you're, you're going back to wisdom. And I think that's amazing that the wisest person in the world tells us, don't stop pursuing wisdom. Yeah. That's what we have to do. We, there's not one day that we stop. You know, Aaron says all the time, you're either growing daily or you're dying gradually. There's no stagnant. So as soon as we stop learning, we stop seeking, we stop digging into the scriptures to better understand things, we are dying. We're digressing. We're not moving forward anymore. We have to continue to get curious and be willing to not know what we don't know. Yeah. A great leader once said, live as if you'll die tomorrow, so that adventurous spirit, but learn as if you'll live forever. Keep learning, keep growing. And, and there's a reason for that. It's not just learning more so that we can say, hey, I know more in my mind or I have more knowledge. What we learn changes the way that we see the world around us. So if you've ever gone out at night and you see the stars, you know, we look up and we think, man, those are really pretty, like they're beautiful up there. But when you talk to an astronomer that has studied that, he sees it totally different. Like he sees the constellations and the planets and nebulas, and he can point out different things because he knows about that, right? And he understands how things are orbiting and moving around in space that so many of us miss. Or you talk to someone that studied um, musical theory and those things, and you go to a musical concert, and you hear really pretty music. But they see all the instruments playing together. And they know all the chords and the melodies and, and kind of the rises and the falls in the music. They see so much more because they've learned more. They've understood, they understand more. And it's like that in our life. When we continue to learn, when we continue to grow, when we continue to pursue a relationship with Jesus and know him more, it impacts the way that we see the world around us. It changes us. And so to play the man means that we never stop learning. We never stop growing, but we continue to move forward in our relationship with God. Yeah. And I think the other side of that is like what you're alluding to here in that we pass that on. Um, I, I don't know if all of you, know. so I work in HR and the one thing I see all the time now are young people who have not been taught very simple principles, yeah. how to have a difficult conversation, how to change a tire. Um, you know, that when we were first engaged, uh, or maybe we were just dating, yeah. I visited his family's house. His dad worked for a mechanics place and he brought me into the shop and put the car up on that big old lift. And I was able to stand under it and he was walking me through like, here's how to change your oil. Here's how to change your transmission fluid. Here's how to know the difference. And I'd never been shown some of that stuff before. And to, to be able to pass on all the wisdom and knowledge that you probably honestly take for granted in the day to day. But that's the beauty of the knowledge that we have is that it benefits. We get to pass that on to other people and think deeper. Like it, it is more than just the little practical things of everyday life. Have you, are you teaching other people around you how to handle difficult emotions, how to argue with your spouse in a way that comes out 
in a positive yeah. way, like how to have practical uh, interactions with the Lord, how to worship, how to pray, how to engage with his word. Like yeah. these are the things that we need to be learning and then passing on to other people. Yeah. And the last thought we want to leave you with is playing the man means being a spiritual leader. And so we see this in scripture in Ephesians 5.23. We're told, for the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Paul challenges us for husbands to lay down your life just as Christ laid down his life for the church. In Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord that we're called to be that spiritual example, to set that example to those that God has placed around us. And this looks like a love that lays down, that sacrifices, because that's what we see Jesus doing for us. That's what this image looks like. Yeah, and I know... Um, as women, sometimes we don't like this. We don't like to hear this. We don't like to hear that, that someone has authority over us or that, you know, he is, he is my leader. But here's the thing, biblical leadership, this is not about lording things over somebody else. It's not about telling other people what to do. That is not the example of leadership we see in scriptures. We see humility. We see love. We see selflessness. We see sacrifice. And that's the kind of love and leadership that we're seeing here is this love that I know and our kids know we're going to have discussions about things and at the end of the day I can trust what he's feeling because he's going to answer to Jesus one day for that and he knows that and he carries that weight very seriously and so if you're a man in the room and you do have people that you're responsible for you carry that with humility with the recognition that sometimes you're going to blow it and you're going to have to go back and apologize for that sometimes you're going to just have to lay down what you want for what's what's better for the people that you're responsible for and that's all the time that's whether you have a family or whether whether you're at work, whether you're a student and you just have people around you that look at you, that we are representing that kind of selflessness in our leadership. And when we live in that way, you guys, it impacts others. Others are going to see that in your life. And I can remember one of my good friends, um, his name is Jamie Kemp. He's a missionary in um, the South Asia Pacific area. And before he headed over there, he had to travel around to different churches to raise financial support for the ministry and then also for his family living overseas. And so he was traveling around Illinois, and one day he called me and he said, Aaron, I just met with your dad. My dad was a pastor at a church in Illinois at the time. And he said, I just have to tell you this. He said, I've met with hundreds of pastors. I've been to so many churches. And he said, at the end of my conversation with your dad, um, my dad Angel looked at him and said, Jamie, can I just pray with you? And he's like, yeah, of course. And he said, your dad started to pray for me. And he said, immediately I got this sense of this is someone that's been in the presence of God. And he's like, I've been prayed over a lot. But he's like, when your dad started praying, he's like, I just knew like Angel Eskimi is someone that has been around God. And he's like, he just carries a different presence with him. And church, I truly believe that the spiritual leadership that God is calling us to is one like that. Where that when we walk into the room, when we're around other people, when they're getting to experience our lives, they're sensing something is different. 
You're different in your workplace. Students, you're different in the classroom because you carry the presence of God. That's the kind of spiritual leadership that we're talking about. The people look at your life and they're like, I want what you have because you are walking with God. There's a love that is different than anything that I see in anyone else's life. That's how we're called to live. That's what it means to play the man, to be the person God has called us to be, that we would live with that kind of spiritual example for those around us. Now, let me just say this. There may be those of you in the room, and you may be younger and think, you know what, I'm, I'm not a dad yet, okay? So I don't, I don't really play the man, you know, that's not really for me. Maybe you're a little bit older, and your kids have already moved out, and you're kind of past that season of life. But I want to challenge you that God is calling you. This isn't just about being, you know, a dad in the sense that you've had your own kids. We need people, mothers and fathers, that are willing to step up spiritually in this way. And we started this whole message with this guy named Polycarp. And as we were talking about this, Sarah and I were discussing because it's a little confusing because we read um, early Christians' writings tell us that Polycarp was a disciple of John, who we read about in the Gospels. But when you look, when Polycarp was born, John was probably already 50 or 60. And by the time he was in his 20s, Polycarp was probably already 70 or 80. And I just want you to picture this, this individual John, who's elderly, you know, he's older, and he's walking next to this teenage boy. And John, this disciple of Jesus, who had been discipled probably when he was a teenager, turns around now that he's 80 or 70, and he looks at Polycarp, who's a teenager, and he says, I want to walk with you. I want to encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. I want to teach you how to pray. I want to teach you what it was that Jesus poured into me. I want to pour that into you. And I want to help you become the leader that God has called you to be. And church, we need more individuals like that. And let me tell you, you're not too old to be a spiritual father or a spiritual mother. This generation needs what you have. They need what God has placed inside of you. And you may be younger, and that doesn't disqualify you. There are those that are younger than you that need your spiritual example, that need to see what it is that God has placed inside of you. I'm telling you, we want to be a church that is pouring into the next generation. And what God has done in us, we want to give that and impart that to others that are coming after us. That's what it means to play the man to be the people that God has called us to be, to love well in the way that God has called us to love, to never stop learning and to be that spiritual example that God wants us to be that will impact others. And so I want to pray for you this morning. I want to ask if you would take a moment and just bow your head and close your eyes. And you may be listening to this message. Maybe you're watching online and you realize, you know what? I don't have that relationship with God. You're talking about giving something to others, and I may realize in my life I'm lacking that connection with God. And the Bible tells us that God is our good heavenly Father. And even though we've messed up, even though we've fallen short, and sin has separated us from God, God gave himself, Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins so that we could be restored back into a right relationship with God. And if you're here this morning and you would say that, you know what, I'm disconnected. Or or you're watching online and you came across this video and you would say that, Aaron, I don't have a relationship with God. One of the best things that you can do on Father's Day is to reconnect with your Heavenly Father. And I want to lead us in a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray this and say this out loud with me. Everyone in this room, everyone watching online, even if you're by yourself, I want you to repeat this out loud. Let's pray together this morning. 
Jesus, I come to you. I need you in my life. I realize that I've sinned. Sin separates me from you. So I ask for your forgiveness. Come into my life. Be the Savior of my life. Be the Lord of my life. Give me a brand new start. I want a relationship with you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Church, can we just put our hands prayed that prayer and I just want to encourage you that if you prayed that if you meant that in your heart and you prayed that this morning that the Bible says that heaven is celebrating and rejoicing together with you and God loves you he is a good heavenly father I just want to pray over all of us this morning, so whether you're here as a dad, uh, you're here as a student, as a mother, as just a, a woman or man of God, um, let's just ask the Lord together what he would speak to us and what this morning stood out to us that we can walk away with as a challenge for this week. Jesus, thank you for your word. It serves as a continual reminder to us of what matters most. Um, it continually reveals to us who you are, God, and who we are because of that. And, Lord, I just pray this morning that you would just awaken things within us, Lord, that have, have maybe laid dormant for a while. Remind us, God, who you've called us to be. Help us to live out the purpose that you have given to each and every one of us, Lord. Help us to, to be tough, God, to have that tough kind of love where we are willing to lay aside our own wants and desires for what is best for others, Lord, that... We would walk around, Lord, continually curious and digging in to the truth that you've given to us, Lord, and the wisdom that you offer to us so freely, God. Help us, Lord, to be willing to step into a spiritual leadership that you have called us to. No matter who it is that we're surrounded by, that we would demonstrate to them your love and your character, that they would be different, that they would be better because they would be around us, that we would carry your presence with us, Lord, and the world would be a better place because of it. Lord, continue to make us more into your image. We give ourselves completely to you, Lord. We belong to you, and we thank you for all that you are, God, and for the good, good Father that you continue to be to us. In Jesus' name, we pray all these things. Amen.